Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Anybody awake this morning? So we've been dealing with this. We've been saying this stuff over the last three weeks because we we are in um, we are taking on what I believe is probably the second toughest principality. The first one was isolation. We dealt with three months of that, trying to break the spirit of isolation, and we're still in in war against that because we know we can't live our lives separate. Here's the second principality we've begun to battle now, which is poverty. It's a way of thinking. It's learned helplessness. It's learned helplessness. Not in every country. This doesn't apply in third world countries where they have nothing because they have nothing. This deals with our consumeristic style of Christianity in America. We have learned helplessness. We are broke in areas that we're not supposed to be broke in. And so last week we entered the Exodus story, the account there in Exodus, and we're going to stay there again this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to read uh, several passages of Scripture out of chapter 12, and then we'll move further into chapter 25, and then even a little further on that. So stay with me this morning. Here's the account. At midnight... The Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. And Pharaoh and all of his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night and there was loud wailing in Egypt for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people You and the Israelites, go worship the Lord as you requested. Take your flocks and herds, as you have said, and go and also bless me. And then I'm going to skip verse 35, and I'm going to come back to it. This is verse 36. And the Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. Exodus chapter 25, verse 1 and 2. Listen very carefully. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering from me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. So that's chapter 25, chapter 32, verses 1 through 6. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. Aaron answered them and said, Take off the gold earrings that your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. And he took what they had handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are... Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Verse uh, Chapter 35, that was chapter 32. Now we come to 35. Stay with me now. Beginning in verse 20. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord 
for the work on the tent of meeting, for all of its service, and for the sacred garments. And all who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen, or goat hair, uh, ram skins, dyed red, or other durable leather brought them. Those presenting an offering of silver and bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord. And everyone who had acacia wood from any part, for any part of the work brought it. All right? So that's, that's our background. We started when Moses, after plague, after plague, after plague, after plague, Finally, we're at the 10th plague, he, and Pharaoh wakes up in the middle of the night, summons Moses, said, come and get your people, get them out of here, right? You, we, we can't take this anymore. The 10th time was a charm, I guess. The pain was, how many of you know some of us never change until the pain gets so bad we can't stay the same, all right? That's free. That wasn't in my notes. Uh, but but that, 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 that's the story of Pharaoh. And finally, he summons Moses, and he says, get out and take your people with you, and I didn't read verse 35. I'm going to come to it in a second. But God had given Moses instructions that on the way out, they were supposed to turn and ask the Egyptians for stuff. And so I want to tell you this morning, just as a a reminder, that God doesn't want you to walk into your freedom empty-handed. God is not, he, the, the Bible is clear. I know the pendulum can swing to where we get to this prosperity gospel where it's name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, confess it, and it should possess it, all that stuff. All I know for a fact is that I, from this account and many others, and as you read through the Bible, is that God does not want you to walk into your freedom empty-handed. I know that for a fact. Prior to their departure, God speaks to Moses and says, listen, before you leave this, this, this bondage, don't, don't make, make no mistake about it. They, were, they had been in bondage for 400 years. And he says, before you leave, I want you to turn and plunder those who have been your, your captive, captive, um, captive uh, your taskmasters. I want you to turn and ask them. And so in Exodus chapter 12, that's important. In Exodus chapter 12, God gives them favor with the Egyptians so that they exit the Egyptians' captivity and they're loaded down, and here's verse 35, with silver and gold, jewelry and clothing. Dramatic pause. Because I don't want you to miss that. That's chapter 12. Chapter 12, they turn and they take silver and gold and jewelry and fine linens. This, and, and let me stop long enough to say this is a good reminder that our issue is not resource. Our is, issue is stewardship. Because this is what I know. God wants us blessed to the degree that he is willing to use your enemies to bless you if he has to. It's not about you blessing yourself. God is so determined to let you walk into freedom with full hands that he will even cause your enemies to turn and bless you. Your boss may not like you and he can't understand and he's passed everybody else over for a raise, but when he gets to you, even though he can't stand you, I just can't help myself. I don't even know why I'm doing this. Give her a raise. It's because God wants you blessed. God wants you blessed. So, Then in Exodus 25, that was Exodus 12. In Exodus 25, God asks for what he had provided to the Israelites in chapter 12. He asks for it back. Okay, we're going to get nervous now. Because now, out of we, we've lived through chapter 12, now we're in chapter 25. Now God comes to those same group of people that had plundered the Egyptians with gold 
and silver and jewelry and fine clothes. Now, in chapter 25, God says, give it back to me. So when we are, here's, here's, the, here's the dilemma. When we're blessed, and I've mentioned this to you before, so often we slip out of stewardship into ownership. And so now, when, when we are blessed, we don't stop long enough to ask why. Okay. So we're, giving, we're given something in chapter 12 of our lives, and then we take ownership, and we never contemplate why. Why did God put that in my hands? Why did I get that job? Why did I get that bonus? Why did I get that raise? Why do I have this favor? Why is this blessing coming on my life in chapter 12? So then from chapter 13 through chapter 24, we live in such a way that when chapter 25 rolls around in our life and God asks for it back, we don't have it. Oh, I knew it was going to get tight in here. Simply because we don't ask why. Why? Why? So since the children of Israel never asked why, why did God allow us to get all this stuff in a moment of stress? Y'all don't know nothing about stress, do you? In a moment of fear, y'all don't know nothing about fear, do you? And in a moment of anxiety, y'all don't know anything about anxiety, do you? In, in a moment like that, they misappropriate what God had provided for them, and they squander it on themselves. They self-medicate. Then they tried an answer, answer by self-medicating with the stuff that God had given them. They self-medicate and they try to meet a need that only God can meet. All right, it's going to get... They t- ooh, I've been waiting for three weeks to preach this one message right here. So all this other stuff has been lead up to this. So you, you better help me. I'm going to hurt myself or I'm going to hurt you in the process. And I don't want either one of those to happen. They teach us two powerful lessons that we continue to struggle to learn. You've got to learn this stuff. In this passage, what they teach us first is this. What you don't submit to the master will become your master. What you don't make part of your worship will demand your worship. That's exactly what takes place. They're asked to give an offering. They didn't end up giving it. And so they end up worshiping what they were asked to give back. Notice that when God asked for the offering, which they didn't give up until chapter 35, all right, fast forward. He asks, he gives it to him in chapter 12. He asks for it in chapter 35 or 25. They don't even give it until chapter 35, right? Okay, so you got the timeline. But I want you to notice what happens in chapter 32 when they build the golden calf first. And then in chapter 35, when they actually submit everything they own to the Lord and they give the offering. I want you to notice, stay with me. I want you to notice what happens. What you don't give an offering, what you don't give in worship. What you don't make your master will come back and demand worship from you. I want you to notice what they do. I've never seen this before. They have to remove the bracelets and the earrings and the brooches and the fine linens off of themselves and off of their children. Okay, stay with me. Understand this. This is a group. This is a million-strong group, at least, of people who are generationally poor. Are you with me? They are generationally poor. 400 years. 400 years. 
of slavery. Do the math. Forty decades. Forty decades. Generation after generation after generation. They've learned to be poor. Okay. So people who are generationally poor that have nothing, now they find, because of the favor that God has given them, they find that their hands are full of gold and silver and jewelry and fine linens. Are you with me? Okay, you won't be for long because you're not going to like this. So what do they do with it? Poor people coming out of bondage as slaves, God blesses them. What do they do? They wear it. They wear it. Slave mentality is that you wear your wealth. I felt that fly back at me. I'm going to say it again. You've got to love me through this now. I'm just trying to help you. Slave mentality is this. I've been poor all my life, and now God has intervened in my life, and I'm out of of slavery, and I'm a free man, but I'm going to keep acting like a slave, so I'm going to wear my wealth. Oh, you say, well, that doesn't happen anymore. Sure it does. It's revealed when you have a purse that costs more money than the money you're carrying in it. We laugh, but that's exactly what we do. It's proven. You can, I'll take you to some houses right here and just in the driving vicinity of our church, and you drive past these houses that we would consider shacks, and they've got a $50,000 truck sitting outside, but they can't keep the lights on, and the roof is leaking, and they don't have enough food to eat. But they got some rims, and they got a thumping stereo system. That's how slaves act. I can't pay my tuition, but I got new kicks in my closet lying in my shelves. It's ridiculous. Well, I knew this was going to be tough. We claim freedom, but we're enslaved to impressing other people, and so we look the part, but we can't live the part. So God will, this is, this is what we know, God will give us stuff if it doesn't matter to us. He will fill our hands with stuff if it doesn't matter to us. Do you know how we can determine whether it matters to us or not? Because when he asks for it, we won't give it back. That's how we know. God says, listen, I'm going to give you a... 90% and I'm going to ask for 10% back. And you go, oh, that's a little bit steep, God. Let's, let's negotiate this thing. I'll give you like, I'll tip you. But I ain't giving it back. You gave me seven days, but I'm too busy on Sunday. You gave me 24 hours a day, but I can't give you 30 minutes. He fills our hands with this stuff, and we know that we have an issue when we won't give it back. Listen, we as free men have to learn that we are blessed or we will act like slaves and we will wear our, our wealth. I, listen, I am not asking you to come in here and not be stylish. I'm just asking you to quit coming in here and being slavish. Who are you trying to impress? Some of us are living way beyond our means. God is blessing us, and we never stop and say, why? Why are you doing this? Because Daddy needs a new, no. Why are you doing this? 
why are you blessing me like this? Because if we don't ask that question, we will repeat the failures of the children of Israel, and we will wear our wealth, and we will squander our wealth. And when God asks for it back, we go, I don't know what you're talking about. Man, that was like years ago that you gave me that. It's gone. Okay, so I am determined that we are going to break the slave mentality and we are going to break the spirit of principality. And the way to do that is we have to know why we are blessed. You have got to stop long enough in your gaining and in your getting and in your earning and say, God, why am I being blessed? Why? Why have you put this stuff in my hands? Why am I favored? Why did I get the raise? Why do I have extra? This is not rocket science. we got to stop long enough and say, why? And then, since I'm so determined to break this mentality, can I tell you why? I mean, I could just say, okay, amen, you're dismissed. Go home and figure it out. And you'd wear your wealth. Because that's how we act when we don't know. So I'm going to tell you why. Somebody said, please tell us why, Pastor. Come on, somebody. Okay, thank you. Some of y'all act like you don't want to know why. I'm going to tell you why. This is not difficult. Three reasons. This is why we are blessed. This is why God is giving you what he's giving you. Three, three things. Number one, God gives us stuff to advance his agenda. We quote this, but we don't live this. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 28 through 33. It says this, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Listen, and your father knows you need them. And then we like to quote this part without the knowledge that came before it, which is God knows what we need. And then we quote this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, right, and all of his righteousness, and all these things will be added or given unto you. We, we don't back it up. We, we, we know that passage of Scripture, but we fail to recognize that we have a good, good Father who knows that's the good news this morning. He knows what we need. So then he gives it to us, but then he comes right behind and says, but seek ye first. The In other words, since he knows you need all this stuff, he's going to place it into your hands. But then when he places it into your hands, he's putting it in your hands on purpose so that you can seek first his kingdom and advance his agenda. Did you hear that? We get in trouble because we think we are blessed to seek our agenda. When, when the blessing is given to us so that we can address his agenda. I can prove it to you. Uh, it's getting close to Christmas. Some of y'all have already sinned and put up like nine Christmas trees before Thanksgiving. Um, blasphemy. Uh, we have a, a small group of counseling for folks like you. Um, but since we're in Christmas season, can I just show you this truth acted out? The wise men, wise men approached that nativity scene, and they, do you remember what they bring? Gold, 
frankincense, and myrrh. Remember that? So now, here you have a family that didn't even have enough resource to provide a nursery. They put their son into a stable. And now, they have gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Can I tell you what we'd do with it? Man, Jesus, you need like swaddling clothes in purple and red and yellow with some leather trim. And you need some with some little furry booties on and some, some little swishes on your sandal. You need all this stuff. We need one in every color. Is that what they did? No. What they did is they apparently put it away. Because when the time came and Jesus' life was being threatened, they could escape to Egypt and hide him out and advance the kingdom agenda. Using what? How did they get there? Find a good tra travel ticket on Travelocity? I mean, how did they afford to get there? They used the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. That's, how they used, that's what they used it for. They advanced his agenda. Aren't you glad they did? Why does God give us what he gives us? To advance, seek ye first. Knowing that I have a good father that knows what I need. He says, wait just a minute. Put my needs ahead of your needs. And I'll take care of you. There's a second reason that he blesses us and it flows into that, out of that first one. Advancing his, his agenda. The second one is this. We are blessed to care for those for who I am responsible. Did you hear what I just said? God blesses us to advance his agenda and that he puts stuff in our hands to bless those for who I am responsible. May I just let some of you off the hook this morning because there are some, of, some people in your life that carry your last name, but that doesn't mean you're responsible for them. You know why you're not responsible, responsible for them? Because of the way they choose to live. Likewise, there are folks who don't share your last name that are a kingdom assignment to you. You see them struggle in need and under your breath, you're like, man, the church, the church, man, the church ought to do something about that. Man, they're struggling. They, they don't have enough food. They don't have enough clothing. They're barely paying their bills. Man, the church ought to do something. Okay, church, when are you going to do something? Because God places kingdom assignments on our life. And when you notice a need, that is his assignment to you to do something about it. Why do you think your paycheck is going further than it's ever gone? Why, why do you think the bank, the bank gave you a payment vacation? Why, why do you think that, that this month you seem to have more? I don't understand. I've, I've spent all everything. I've got like nine Starbucks drinks and I still got money left over. What, what, what is going on here? It may very well be. That God is allowing that to take place in your life because there are people you are responsible for. It's funny to me that I, I want to rant on Facebook about, the, about being the church until being the church involves my wallet. And then it's for everybody else. It's tight in here. 1 Timothy chapter 5 tells us in verses 3 through 8, listen to what he says. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. And so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow 
who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. Listen, but the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So we have responsibilities to our own family. We have responsibilities to people outside our family if they're really in need. That is putting our religion into practice. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I'm going to come back to that because he gives us the third reason he gives us stuff, but we're not there yet. He says, meet the needs of those around you. There are those who cannot care for themselves, and we are responsible for those folks. Then there are folks that can take care of themselves, and they choose not to. We are not responsible for them. Okay. No interview, no job, no work, play PlayStation all day long, then baby, your stomach's going to have to growl because I'm not bailing you out of that. I'm not, responsibility, I'm not responsible for your lack of responsibility. But when you've done all you know to do and you've put in job application after job application, worked long hours, and you just can't make it, and you've made good choices, then I have a responsibility to step in. And I, Okay, I can get a little help in here. If they spend their rent money on attending the football game, seriously now, I, I, need, I, need, I need a church. Come on, y'all. y'all I, I got to get some food. Y'all got to help me. But you just posted on Facebook you went to the OU game, and I know the tickets cost $45. Now, if somebody gave you the Okay, let me get real practical. I, I, can't, I can't feed my kids, but your nails are done. Too many of us cannot respond because we don't know why. And I am telling you, that if we're going to use what God has given us appropriately, there are kingdom assignments in our life when we see them struggle and we know their story and they've been faithful and they've been diligent and they've worked and they've tried. It is our responsibility to step in and help. You can't do that if you wear your wealth. Okay, I knew it was going to get tight. Okay, here's the one we want to talk about. Because God gives us stuff so that we can advance his kingdom. He gives us stuff to take care of those whom we're responsible for. The third one is, and I read it to you out of 1 Timothy, he gives us stuff to enjoy. See, this is different now because most of the Pentecostal preaching I set up under when I was young, they didn't want you to enjoy nothing. 
If you smiled, it was a sin. All right? Am I right? Anybody else experience that? They had it all wrong. God wants to keep you poor, baloney. All right, just because you're poor, don't throw that on me. All right? No, he says that God gives us stuff for enjoyment. We are bound by a poverty mindset when we flip the script. Because the order is paramount. That's why the majority of people in the United States, when they're interviewed about the meaning of life, you know what they say the meaning of life is? To have fun. To have fun. We think it's only about enjoyment, so what we do is we, ch- we chase fun and we find chains. That's what we do. We think it's only about getting this stuff to enjoy, so we t- we. we We would have taken care of number one, and we would have taken care of number two, but we've put all of our effort into taking care of number three. And so what we want God to do is we want God in the mix, but we don't get the order right. It's going to get real tight in here. I'm telling you, it's going to be painful. I'm almost done. So just just like hold your breath and grit your teeth and grab somebody really hard because it's going to get really painful for just a moment. All right? Because we flip the script. We waste everything we've got because we don't ask why. We use everything we're given for number three. So then when God shows up on the scene and says, hey, what about number one and number two? We go, don't have it. But I had fun. We focus on perfection, and I want to tell you this morning that God is not focused on perfection. He's focused on priority. He wants us to get the order right. We flip the script, and then we want God to ignore our mismanagement And he, when he makes the request for us to give stuff back. So we'll even go one step further, and we'll say, God, I, I misused everything that you've given into my hands over the last six months. I squandered it on enjoyment. Now you're asking for me to take care of your agenda. Now you're asking me to help somebody. And so I need you to bless me some more because I don't have what you gave me. Too many of us cannot respond to number one and number two because we're still bound by slave mentality. We would have given, we would have assisted, and we would have responded, but we can't because we just used it all on the eighth TV at our house. Because all the other seven were over a year old. I need a smart TV now, and I need one with a curve in it. I need it to, like, Start my washer when I power it on automatically. I need it to tuck my kids into bed. I need it to feed my dog. I I need that $6,000 TV. I've got seven others. Okay. So God says, look, I've got this project going on, and I need your support. Oh, I'd do that, God. But i got this problem. I know I had an iPhone 82.9, but now... You don't understand, God. I would have helped that person that came. They can't even feed their kids. I would have responded, but I had to get the iPhone 99.6 because now I don't have to push one button to take a photograph. I just have to think with my mind, take pictures, and they go. Come on, folks. We're supposed to be living like free men. We've plundered the enemy, and yet we're acting like slaves. And let me tell you what happens is what we do when when we act like slaves. I know this is tough, but can I tell you what happens? The kingdom suffers. 
The kingdom suffers. The kingdom suffers. That's why politicians can raise $9 million in one event. And we can't raise 900 because we got the script flipped. The kingdom suffers. And I know it's cold in here to y'all, but I'm sweating right now. So, And I know the heat works at least in this room. So I'm not trying to get you to pay the heat bill. It's paid. I promise. I can't prove it right now, but I promise. So I'm not trying to preach you under condemnation because... But the kingdom, the the greater kingdom, all this stuff that God wants to do, not just through passion, but through all the rest of our church community in Oklahoma, we suffer. Nationally, we suffer. Globally, we suffer. Because we, we can't handle the order of the script. And not only that, people around us suffer. People around us go without the essentials. People around us, their lights get shut off. People around us don't have coats for their kids. And we won't go buy one because I would have to stop getting Starbucks four times a day. And I love Starbucks. I do. But that's a number three issue. See, this is what I know. God doesn't want you to be poor. He wants you to prosper in every way. But we have to handle the blessing properly. And I believe that what takes place is that God smiles down from heaven when we get the order correct so that we are then able to enjoy the trip and we are able to enjoy the car and we are able to enjoy the house and we're able to enjoy the nice meal or the special activity because we got the order correct. We can walk out and do that stuff. And I don't want you to feel one bit guilty. Never. I will never try to make you feel guilty for owning a nice house, owning nice clothes, owning a nice car, being able to go out and afford a nice meal, go on the trip of a lifetime, as long as you get the order right. Because the day is going to come. That's a chapter 12 moment. The day is going to come when chapter 25 is going to roll around and God is going to say, I need it back. And if you don't handle it properly, you will show up empty-handed and you will look like a slave rather than a son. You'll have nice clothes and you'll be stylish, but you'll come off slavish if you don't handle it right. I know this stuff is tough. I'm just asking you, do you have the script flipped? Are you living out of order? Are you handling your wealth like a slave or like a son? It is time to stop and evaluate your blessing. Why are you blessed? When is the last time you stopped and looked around you? That is your assignment this week, to walk into your beautiful home and look around you. And if you've got the order right, then you ought to thank God and enjoy every minute of it. But you got to walk in and say, why? Why this? Why me? Everybody else in my family is dirt poor, can't rub two dimes together, and look, God, what you've done. Why? I got, I got so many clothes in my closet that I got to, like, I got to have another room added on so that in the summer I can move my summer clothes into my summer closet. Why? I don't have any problem with that if you ask why. Why? Why has God let you be prosperous? 
Why do you have money in your account when you shouldn't? Why have you got enough food at home? Why are you favored? Why? Ask why. If you don't ask why, it will demand that you worship it. So when God asks for it back, you'll push him at arm's length and say, it's not mine. God, I pray this morning, we need help. I need help. I can honestly say when I look around and examine my life that I've been blessed. Come on, is there anybody in the room that would say that with me right now as you're, you're, you're praying in your own way? Father, I'm blessed. I'm so thankful for all that your hand has placed in my life. I was bound. I was in bondage. And you gave me favor. I didn't deserve the favor. I didn't earn the favor. You favored me. You gave me favor, even with enemies. They ought to curse me, but instead they continue to bless. Thank you, Jesus. But, Father, we need some help this morning because now that we're free, we don't want to live like we're bound. And so, God, I pray today that you would send this message deep within our spirit and we would stop. God, please, please, I'm begging you, Father, please, please, please. Don't let us walk out of here and not ask why. God, I pray that at some point during this day, whether it be when we walk out and get into a nice car, when we get out of our car, walk into a nice house, whether it's if we're able to go buy a nice lunch, I pray we would enjoy it. But, but I pray that there would be this pause, this holy pause, and we would ask the most essential question, why? Why me? Why have you blessed me? Why did you put this in my hands? Why is, is this my, why did you give me stewardship over this? Father, I pray that we would be very honest with ourselves and with you. And I pray that we would realign and get the, the script ordered correctly. And that we would seek first your kingdom. And rather than asking you to bless what we're doing, we would recognize what you need done. And we would bless your kingdom. We would be the church. Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see those around us that we're responsible for. They may, they, they may not have our last name. Most of us have our families taken care of already. So, so if we've taken care of that, then there's probably somebody you're going to put in our path over the coming days that is a, they are a kingdom assignment for us. God, I pray that we would be so faithful and such good stewards that we would be able to respond and take care demonstrate your love to them. And then, Father, I pray finally over this group of people because I care about them and I long for them to reach this place. God, I pray that you would allow them to find enjoyment. I pray you would bless them so much that after they take care of your agenda, after they bless those they're responsible for, Father, I pray that they would have so much blessing that they would be able to enjoy be able to spoil themselves just a little bit because you've given them so much. God, I pray that we would get the order right. And if the order is wrong, I pray that we would adjust right now so that we wouldn't be like the children of Israel 
blessed and then presented with a need and could not respond. God, I pray that you would adjust our pursuit. In Jesus' name, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not going to call you to the front, I promise, because this is an individual thing, and I know this is a tough subject, but if you're like me, and this is a struggle for you, getting the order right is a struggle for you, and you'd say, Steve, that's me. Nobody looking around. I don't want my prayer team looking around. Nope, this is just between me, you, and God. So I know who I know who to pray for. I'll be the only one. I'm not going to send this out in some list. I will be the only one other than God who knows this. You say, Steve, I struggle with this order. I struggle to get this order right. Would you just raise your hand? My hand is up, by the way. Yeah, I thought so. Father, search our hearts. You saw the hands, my hand being the first. Help us with this. We are declaring we need the, We need your help. We tend to want to have personal enjoyment more than taking care of your agenda or other people. And we recognize, help us to understand, you are a good father. You know what we need. And if we would put our trust and faith completely in you, then there would be more than enough. Help us break the spirit of poverty, the principality of poverty in our minds. We ask you to accomplish this in the name of Jesus. And we declare that we will cooperate as you break this in us. And everybody said, It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.